Welcome to the Show Up Society podcast, where I talk about showing up for your goals one tiny step at a time. I'll help you break down your big fat dreams into tiny bite-sized pieces that are totally doable as long as you just keep showing up. I talk about anything from running to creativity, to mindset, to small business, to whatever else comes up. You'll see how just showing up for yourself every day in the tiniest way can make a huge impact and change your life. I'm your host, Tammy Bennett, artist, coach, habit keeper, and idea machine. I can't wait to cheer you on. So let's get started. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for showing up for today's episode of the Show Up Society podcast. Today, I'm sort of just doing a little storytelling. I'll be telling the story about how my son and I went to a peaceful protest last week in Portland, Oregon for Black Lives Matter. I'm recording this so that people can see that there is a side to this story that revolves around nonviolent resistance. I'm also recording this for my family's history so that someday in the future we can look back and see what we did to take part to make a change and to see how we started standing up and started becoming anti-racists. Before we get started, I just wanted to talk about a couple observations that I have and a couple things that I've been doing. Um, I mentioned in last episode, episode 31, a few actions that I was taking um, to become anti-racist. I am still doing all of those. I am educating myself with books and film and podcasts and articles, um, Instagram stories, I have added many, many black and people of color voices to my um, Instagram feeds and to the people that I follow. And I've subscribed to many newsletters. I have donated to organizations and to people that are teaching me. Um, I have, we've had a lot of discussions with our kids. My high schoolers are at a peaceful protest right now as we speak with their high school. And later in this podcast, I'll tell you about the the big peaceful protest that I went to with my son in downtown Portland, Oregon. And the reason I'm telling you these steps that I have taken is because I want you to know that it doesn't take huge amounts of work. It is so simple to educate yourself with a 30-minute podcast while you're out for a walk. It is so simple to follow a few people online that maybe you wouldn't have heard their voices before. And I just hope that we can all try to educate ourselves a little bit and to find out more about what's going on and what has been going on in our country for 400 years. I was talking with a friend about this a couple days ago, and we were both saying how we felt like we weren't doing enough And I just reminded us both that we are doing something. We are doing something. We are not going to erase 400 years of oppression in a matter of days by reading and watching and listening to all of the things. We are in this for the long haul. We are in this for the rest of our lives. This is a commitment that we have made. And we are just going to be doing something every day, something every day. And I think that doing that, the more people that can commit to that tiny action every day, the more that we will change. So let's talk about the peaceful protest that I went on. If you follow me on Instagram at Tammy C. Bennett, 
you may already know part of the story because I um, shared some images and some of my thoughts. But I've had several of my friends and people that know I went to the protest ask to hear more about it. So I thought that this would just kind of be a nice, uh, nice episode to tell you what went down. So a day or two into the protests that had been going on here in Portland, my 17-year-old son came up and asked if he could go to the protests. And simultaneously, Chris said, no. And I said, that sounds cool. (laughs) And we kind of looked at each other and Chris was like, well, obviously we want you to go to the protest, but he was very concerned for Jack's safety Um, There have been protests in the past here in Portland that have turned into riots and they've gotten kind of violent and crazy. And there's been um, some outside groups that, you know, it's not where you want your 17 year old son to be. And so Jack said, "Okay," you know, just kind of left the room and Chris and I talked about it. And he said, let's just give it a day or two and see if it kind of calms down and make sure that it's really safe before we send him there. And yes, we are both fully aware of what it means that we are scared to let our son go to a protest when there are mothers all across this country that are scared to let their sons go outside for fear of being harassed or chased or called names or beaten up or even killed because of the color of their skin. So we do know, you know, that this is a privilege that we are worried about sending him to a protest. But at the same time, super proud of him that he wanted to make a stand. So a day or two went by. He had a couple friends from his school that went and they were sending him pictures of it. And it was really moving. And these guys are really great photographers. And the pictures were fantastic. And it just um, made Jack's desire to go to this protest even stronger. So he was showing us these. And, you know, Chris and I were talking and and we decided that it would be safe. And I, I kind of assured Chris that I would be on super high alert and I would make sure that we were looking out for anything that could go wrong. So we decided to go Jack and myself, and we told my daughters about it. And so my 13 year old Googled how to stay safe in a protest. And then she and my 15 year old daughter Uh, made signs for us while we got ready and we packed up all the things that you would need to take to a protest to be safe. So things like masks because of COVID still and hand sanitizer and glasses and scarves and a change of clothes and snacks and water and sunscreen and hats, all the kind of things. Um, And so then Chris and the girls drove us down to where the protest is going to gather and Jack and I got out and he wasn't was not embarrassed to be there with his mom. And we just kind of sat under the shade of a tree while people gathered. And it was just an absolute steady stream of people coming in for over 30 minutes, just nonstop people coming to gather in this park. And uh, a note about COVID is that every single person I saw there had a mask. I didn't see anybody without one. They were also handing out masks uh, at the very, like at the entrance to this park so if you did not have a mask, they gave you one. And there was hand, sanit- hand sanitizer everywhere and nobody was touching hands. Um, I felt like it was very safe. It was outdoors. There was, you know, a good amount of space between people. And I felt very safe about that. So we sat in the grass field and they started having some speakers. 
The organizers were very good and they reminded us that we all need to register to vote and they had tons of people walking through the crowds with a clipboard so they could help people register to vote. And on the sign that they had, it said that you could register to vote if you were 16 or over. So I looked at Jack and I'm like, oh my gosh, you can register to vote. I didn't know you could register to vote before you were 18. And he said, I already did. And I'm like, what? You registered to vote? And he was like, yeah, we had to do it in school. And I was just so happy about that. I was so happy that his school required them as, uh, as a grade and as an assignment in their class to register to vote. I was super impressed with that. And then the organizers introduced a couple different speakers. Um, they reminded us of our rights as protesters, our rights that were given to us in the First Amendment. They reminded us that this is to be a peaceful and respectful protest. There's to be no violence, no looting, um, no aggression, just a peaceful protest. They had a speaker that had been in a chokehold a few years ago at the hands of police, and he said he was lucky to be there with us today, and this is the first protest he had ever been to. Um, and he got a big round of applause for that. And then he yelled to us, I do not forgive you. And that was really moving and it was hard to hear. And he, he just explained, you know, that for years and years and years, because of the color of his skin, he's had so many incidents like that at the hands of white people and white cops. And he just said, I don't forgive you. And he said, I don't forgive you, but I am thankful that you are here. And I am thankful that you are here to make a change and he left it at that. And that was really powerful. So then we all started to gather to leave the park um, to start walking on the roads. And as we started gathering, we passed all these tables of, like I said before, hand sanitizer and masks and water bottles and um, band-aids, snacks, all kinds of things uh, to keep us safe and hydrated while we were on this long walk. And there was even a table that someone had made um, tear gas relief. So it was an antacid and water and it was in bottles and they labeled it tear gas relief, Black Lives Matter. And Jack thought that was just so cool. And he got one just in case. And that really hit home for me. It made it really real. And it just reminded me to be super alert and hyper aware and to be on the lookout for escalating tension. Um, but I never saw any the whole time. And, and you're going to hear more about the peacefulness of this protest as we go along in this story. So there were thousands of people there, and I never heard an exact count, but they were estimating over um, 7,000 people that were there. And I am not kidding you when I tell you that there was every age. I mean, I saw people that had to have been in their 80s, and I saw young kids that were under the age of two. We saw people with skin of every shade. We saw every gender. We saw every sexual orientation. We saw people that were able-bodied and people with disabilities. It was truly incredible. I felt like the human race was absolutely represented. I think the vast majority, I would say 85% of people there had signs that they had made and Jack read every one. He, he took this event very seriously. He took some pictures of the crowds. He took some pictures of his favorite signs, the really powerful ones. And he was sending a couple of these pictures to his friends that had been to the protest earlier in the week. 
And I said, Jack, make sure you take some pictures for yourself to save them for you because this is a moment in history that you are going to want to remember. So he did do that. So we got onto the streets and we started walking um, very slow pace because there were so many of us and we were trying to keep a little bit of distance between each of us. Um, and along, along the whole entire route, except for over a bridge, uh, actually, even on the bridge, there were people that had set up kind of aid stations with Band-Aids and water and snacks and pizza and granola bars and signs. And they were cheering and clapping for us to give us energy and a boost. And it was just nice to see them lined up on both sides of the street almost the entire way. Um, so, you know, for people that maybe marching or walking isn't your thing, there are other ways to show support. So even just some people just, you know, had their car parked and they just sat and watched it go by and kind of waved and nodded in appreciation. So I just thought it was so cool that there are so many different ways to support this. Um, that was really cool for me. And then there was the chanting and that was super emotional for me. So somebody in the crowd would say, say his name. And then the other people in the crowd would say, George Floyd. And they would say, say her name. And they would say, Brianna Taylor. And it just kept going on and on and on. And there is something so powerful about saying someone's name, identifying who they are and what they were and what they meant to us and what they will mean to us. Um, it was very, very emotional to keep saying the names. And as far as the names go, there were so many people with signs of people that were killed at the hands of cops that aren't famous or aren't on TV and that, that aren't household names. And I thought that that was a really great, a great way to show respect um, for those people as well. Another chant was when we raised both of our arms in the air and said, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot. That was also incredibly powerful. And there was one point when we did this for a long time and people's arms started getting tired and they started kind of putting their arms down. And then there was this fantastic black man going through the crowd with a pink sweatshirt and the shortest shorts I've ever seen and a loud megaphone and a beautiful voice. And he would weave in and out of the crowd saying hands up and we'd say, don't shoot. And when people's hands started to get tired and they started to lower their arms, he said, keep them up. It hurts. Doesn't it? It hurts. And it was just such a reminder of things that I have never had to go through. I've never had to raise my arms, but he has. And people with his color skin have on multiple occasions. And it does hurt and it is tiring and it is exhausting. And that really brought it home for me that people are going through things that I have no idea about that are terrible. And on a lighter note, speaking of black men wearing pink, there was a really, really beautiful moment that happened. So we were going on to a bridge to cross over the river. And all of a sudden, we kind of look over on the on-ramp. And there is this amazing man um, wearing these amazing pink pants and a cropped shirt and these insane rollerblades and he and there were no cars on the on-ramp because the bridge was blocked off so somehow he had gotten on there and he was rollerblading his way to us and he just swooped around and it was so peaceful and so beautiful he was like a floating feather and there was something just really poignant about that it just gave me a little glimpse of hope and there was a moment when even through this really stressful really sad 
traumatic time, he could find that glimmer of beauty and joy. And I think it really lightened the crowd and reminded us that there could be this joy for people if we just keep taking action and keep trying to make a change and keep paying attention to people that are black and people of color and that we can find these moments of joy even in the dark days. So he got a big round of applause from the crowd. Then we moved on to the bridge and the people in front of us started raising one fist. And they had told us before the march started when we were sitting in the big grassy field in the park that when they raise one fist, that means silence, that they are going to give us instructions or there's something that we need to pay attention to. So everybody started doing it so that the people behind them could see it. So pretty soon the whole bridge was covered in people being really still and silent, raising one fist in the air. And then we knelt down on one knee and we stayed there for eight minutes and 46 seconds, which is the amount of time that the police officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck leading to his death. This was a really powerful moment as we reflected on George Floyd and his life and how it came to an end. And it also really hit home how long eight minutes and 46 seconds is. It is so long. As we were kneeling there quietly with our fists raised in the air, you could start to hear this bzzz all over the skies. And I looked up and there were eight, maybe 10 drones all filming it. And it made me realize what a powerful image this must be from the sky to have over 7,000 people down on one knee with their fist raised in the air in a nonviolent protest. And it also made me aware that this will be seen, that these images, these powerful images will be spread around and they will be seen and hopefully they can lead to change. Just like the video of George Floyd spread around so much and caused so much emotion and is hopefully leading to change. So we stood back up, we started on the march again, and then another powerful chant we did was no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. And this was a signal that people are not going to stop taking action until there are some major massive changes. So we made our way across the bridge and we all ended up on this grassy field next to the Willamette River. They had some more amazing speakers. One of the speakers was a mom who lost two sons in one day. One of them was shot by police. She spoke of their memory. She spoke of the need for change. And she spoke of forgiveness. She said we must be able to forgive before we can move on. We listened to two amazing singers with beautifully haunting voices. And I'm really upset that I could not uh, hear their names and... I would love to give them a shout out and give them credit because they were amazing. We sang along to both of them. And one of them, it reminded me of a scene from Hunger Games when they're all singing along with Katniss and showing their support and showing their rebellion against the Capitol. The other song we sang along was Stand By Me. And we all lit up our flashlights. Some people had lighters. And it was a beautiful moment. The sky was dark. The moon was out. The water was so calm behind us. The crowd was calm. It was a beautiful, beautiful night. The speakers reminded us to stay peaceful. They reminded us to clean up after ourselves when we left the park so that we could show respect. They reminded us that what we are doing is creating change. 
There are communities all over the country that are starting to look at how their police operate, and there are changes that are happening every day. They reopened the case for Breonna Taylor due to so many people speaking out on her behalf. Another speaker came up and he said, I am a gay black man, and this is the safest I have felt in months. That is so powerful. It started to get really dark, and I felt like it was time for Jack and I to go home. We needed to make our way walking through the city to find a place where Chris could come pick us up, and I just didn't want to be out too late. Um, We had had such a peaceful experience, and I didn't want it to go south once it got really dark. Um, I never saw a police officer the whole time, so I'm sure that they were there. The roads were blocked off. There were barricades. Um, I felt safe the whole time. Now, anytime I did hear the revving of a motorcycle or a loud noise, of course, I was hyper alert and looking around to see if we needed to, you know, take action. But I felt just a tremendous sense of peace the whole evening. And I felt like there was such a community vibe in the crowd and everybody supporting each other and listening to each other and respecting each other. And I felt, like I said earlier, I felt a glimmer of hope. I felt like we can make a change. We really can one tiny step at a time. But as long as we are still moving forward and still taking action and still listening to each other and learning from each other, I really do believe that things can change. And I am so happy that Jack wanted to go to this. I am so happy that he got to have this experience It was certainly moving for me, and I will never forget it, and I'm pretty sure he never will either. He was really affected by it. Both of us were, and yeah, I am just so thankful that we had an opportunity to use our voices and use actions and to be a part of a big movement, and we are going to continue to do so in our our little ways every day. So I hope you've enjoyed this story time, and I would love to hear if and what you are doing to take action against racism and to learn from the people around you. So if you would like to leave me a comment, that would be fantastic. If you go to showupsociety.com forward slash 32, I would love to hear what you're doing. Thank you so much for showing up for today's episode of the Show Up Society podcast. Now go out there and show up for yourself and show up for people of color too. Hey, you're still there. You matter.